QSource is so excited to finally have Antonia Sawyer join us for a conversation today about Ship Happens. And she has been a partner with QSource now for probably the last year and a half, if not longer. We definitely want to learn as much as we can from you today about how this project started for you, what that journey might have looked like for you, and then how this has kind of just rolled out into your local community. And then from there, you have gone statewide. Antonia, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started. Well, I'm Antonia Sawyer. I am the founder and CEO of Ship Happens. We are Indiana's only male-based harm reduction organization currently. And really, it's kind of funny because Ship Happens was $50 in a dream in March of 2019. And it has really ended up growing into a fantastic organization. And how Ship Happens really came to become as large as it is was really based off of my desire to serve people who use drugs in local communities. I was working in a rural community between June of 2016 until about October of 2018. And we were building a local systems of care coalition and we were really focused on substance misuse and mental health services and identifying gaps and and innovative programming or practice-based evidence programming or evidence-based practice programming. And one of the things we landed on was naloxone access in the community. And at that time, local health departments could engage with the Department of Health and receive naloxone doses. And then community organizations could work with the health department to distribute in the community. And that's really how I found naloxone before that time was very knowledgeable in substance use disorder and had worked with families with substance use disorder and reunified them with their children. I just had no idea that there was an opioid antidote. I was completely clueless until I was able to work with the local health department in that community. And after two years of doing local community trainings on a very now, as I see it, small scale in comparison to what we're doing now. I left the community in October of 18, really searching for a way that I could sustain naloxone access to people who use drugs without the barriers associated with Uh naloxone access, like stigma in communities, Uh time. Local health departments don't often have time or capacity to distribute naloxone, Transportation is a huge barrier in our state. Rurality and fear is another huge issue that we face with people who use drugs. Their fear of being criminalized or judged or stigmatized against. I ended up sharing this story with the Indiana Recovery Alliance, which is now what I would consider our flagship syringe service program in Monroe County. And I remember going to their executive director and and like crying like, what am I going to do? And, uh-huh. you know, now I don't have naloxone. And I kind of felt like individuals in harm reduction would think I wasn't doing my job well because I had failed at keeping that access there. And he was very quick to reassure me that absolutely not. You know, uh, this happens in harm reduction a lot where we don't have access to the supplies we need. And 
And harm reduction can often be built on expected mutual aid and free labor. So there's not a lot of funding out there for us. There's not right. a lot of access. There's not a lot of support. There is now. Uh, we're getting there. Previously, there wasn't. And so he said, I'll give you as much intramuscular naloxone as you can fit in your car. And I think they gave me like 1,500 doses at the time, which to me was the most naloxone I'd ever seen in my life. I thought, oh, my gosh this is fantastic. Like I cried all the way back for Bloomington, like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be able to, to serve people. I remember calling distributors like myself across the state that were in my network that didn't have access to naloxone saying, Hey, I've got all this naloxone. Can I ship it to you? Like, do you want some? Yeah. Like you, you would just ship it to me. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. So I started shipping and, and I was on the phone uh, was my friend and harm reduction family, uh, Kim Buck. And I was like, do you think people would donate like $50 to this? And she's like, well, probably. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to name it Ship Happens. And I'm going to start shipping. And she just chuckled like, makes sense. Okay, that's all right. Love it. Yeah. Uh, so that's how the name and the idea was born. And I started shipping to local distributors in different communities and then one day it just clicked like, wait, I bet I could train people online. I bet I could do this for people who just need training in general. And I could start shipping it to their house. That's when I built the Facebook page and the platform that had the training video, developed a uh -huh. set of questions that were modeled after the, the legislation guidelines for our standing order. And people started engaging. And I was like, okay. So in March of 19, when we started, uh, by the end of 2019, we had served, I, I want to say like 35 counties. And I thought, wow, okay, that's quite a few, right? There's 92 in the state. And so then we started writing small grants and we weren't necessarily getting the grants. <laughs> so we stayed donations based for quite a while. We doubled that the following year in 2020. And then it just kept growing from there. And really, it was in 2021 when the Women's Philanthropy Leadership Council funded us, Interact for Health funded us, the Indiana Department of Health. And it really finally had launched and people saw that this was a feasible way to uh -huh. serve people who use drugs and get access to this life-saving medication across uh -huh. the state. So that's really the history of how it happened it's been one of the most rewarding things I've done in my career. Uh -huh. I absolutely love it. I, it does not feel like work uh -huh. and we've been able to remove, I mean, we're a zero barrier access point to naloxone. So we're not asking questions of individuals. Right. We don't do any data mining. And what's beautiful about our funders is that they accept us for who we are uh -huh. and they fund us understanding that data collection is a barrier for people who use drugs. They're fearful. Being able to build those trustworthy relationships with our funders and stay true to our mission and vision mm -hmm. has been one of the keys to our success. We don't want to get mission drift. We don't want to apply for funds just to make sure we have money. That's really not uh, what right. we want to do. What are some of those stories that you're hearing I can share a testimony from a participant because he's openly shared it publicly with another project that Ship Happens has done. There's an individual in a rural community, and I was scrolling on the local Facebook page 
And someone had reported on the scanner page that he had overdosed at the stoplight. And it was on business 31 and the light had cycled at least four times. And someone got out of their car and realized he was overdosing. Summons to EMS, he got transported and was revived. But on this page, the hateful comments um, to the point to where his family got on the post and was like, you know, he's a father. He's my significant other. He's my partner. He's a, a son, right? I took the opportunity to reach out to his then partner and said, hey, you know, this is what I do. Would you be interested in meeting? And maybe we can get you some resources. And so they reluctantly agreed to meet me at the library. And upon meeting him, um, you know, he had just gotten out of the hospital. He had just overdosed a couple of days before. They were just like, there's people like you out here that care about us, that you have these supplies, you have naloxone, you have safe use supplies. Mm -hmm. And I was able to not only connect with them and stay connected with them through their drug use, Mm -hmm. but also in the delivery of their new baby and in their recovery. So now both of them are in recovery. They have their baby and they're living fantastic lives. And I think that's the the piece of harm reduction that gets missed is sometimes individuals will think that you're encouraging drug use or you're providing the tools necessary for someone to inject drugs. How could you do that? And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. harm reduction is really a set of strategies that want to reduce negative consequences associated with drug use. So Mm -hmm. we understand that drug use happens and we want to make sure that you do it as safe as possible so that when you do choose those positive changes that you want to see, if you want to find recovery, that you're not living with, you know, endocarditis or hepatitis C or HIV. Um, You haven't dealt with multiple MRSA infections, that you have a quality of life that you deserve. Just because you use drugs doesn't mean you don't deserve the highest quality of life possible and love and compassion. That's one of my favorite testimonies is because I yeah. I get to follow them on social media and see, you know, I'm a year in recovery. I'm two years in recovery. Right. I've been able to be community support for individuals in drug court. If they yes. need to do pro-social events, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll be your community support. Let's set up a pro-social event. So working mm-hmm. with drug court is another super rewarding mm-hmm. opportunity for me because people need to phase up and out of drug court. And to do that, their program may require two pro-socials per phase. Well, if I can provide a pro-social event that you can come and build kits and learn about, you know, overdose prevention and get supplies back to individuals who, you know, in your network that may still be using drugs, Mm -hmm. then it's a win-win because Mm -hmm. what's in it for them is their pro-social event and they can phase up and out. And what also is in it for them is that they're able to take these supplies back to people they love who may not be ready for their path to recovery. So Mm -hmm. that is a really beautiful relationship too, that I value a lot. It's just meeting people where they are and exactly. Absolutely. And giving them the love that they need with no Mm -hmm. strings attached. That's the other thing is you don't have to give me anything. I, I don't expect anything. You don't have to share your story. If you don't want to, you can Mm -hmm. share your story if you want to. It's just been beautiful thing. Love it. And it's great for my kids too, because um, I have them do kit building events with me. If they want to come to pro socials, they can. 
you know, teaching empathy and compassion and Mm -hmm. reducing stigma and stereotypes. Those things are very harmful. Just teaching my kids that no matter what you look like or where you are in life, you are still deserving of that life. Yes. And to have people help you if you require, if you need help, you know, help them if you can refer them if you can't, but don't turn your back. There's that saying, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And it's like, that rhetoric has got to stop. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm like, my gosh. I tell my kids, I'm like, just imagine being that person. Like that would just be Mm -hmm. dreadful. I, and I would never want to be in a spot like that to where I ever spoke like that about somebody. Well, you've gotten some 911 calls yourself, I think, from family members. Yeah, I have. So I've had individuals call me uh, and not law enforcement and say, hey, I I administered a vial. What do I do now? Um, And I quickly let them know, like, you're Mm -hmm. five counties away. I really, you need to call EMS. Yes. Get emergency medical services on the way. Are they breathing? Did you? Right. You know, has that been reinstated? Those types of things, but definitely call EMS and and get some some help. Community outreach to high schools or local events. What kind of I education done, opportunities? Um, so individuals or organizations can request Ship Happens to do a okay. naloxone training at okay. their organization, and it's not just how to use naloxone, but it's really the history of naloxone, okay. the history of the opioid epidemic, the impact COVID has had on overdose in our state and across the country. Mm -hmm. And then of course, overdose recognition and response utilizing naloxone. So um, individuals can request that or organizations can request that just by emailing me. And then I have had a couple high schools. So I have done a couple health education courses. The message I took with them was not just harm reduction as far as substance use, I mean, you want to include alcohol, but just harm reduction as far as if you find yourself in a situation with your friends that you can call law enforcement. If you're drinking, if you're doing anything that you find to be illegal, but you're in a harmful situation, you can call. The lifeline law will protect you. And then also how to kind of use crisis text lines and communicate with trusted adults, Mm -hmm. because often our youth are communicating with one another and they carry those burdens on themselves. Um, if their friend says they're, you know, having mental health issues or suicidal ideations or they're experimenting with drugs, they carry that and think I'm snitching um, if I tell someone when really it's, uh, you know, identifying the safest person to help your friend because absolutely. you want to make sure yes. you want to make sure that they are safe and well. Their children, their youth, they don't have the. Mm-hmm the maturity or the mental capacity to really be making those types of decisions independently without a trusted adult. So those are kind of the messages I work with youth on, Um, you know, and I, of course, teach them naloxone and, and Mm -hmm. crisis text lines and things so that they can reach out to whichever Mm -hmm. resource it is that they need. What are some steps? What are some things that we as a community can do if we want to get involved with ship happens? What do you recommend? Oh, absolutely. So Ship Happens loves volunteers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's several volunteer opportunities with our organization. The first one being just from a professional perspective, if your organization provides you 10, 12 volunteer hours a year yes. and you get paid for that time, engage with us. We can ship 
the supplies to you. You build the supplies. It comes with instructions. You can host your own kit building event with your department or your entire organization, depending on how many uh, employees you have. And you can spend that time building kits and, and having a discussion. That's what's really great about the kit building events is you start mm-hmm. talking about, yeah, you know, when, when you learned naloxone existed, if anyone has ever been trained, has it, do you know anyone who's ever overdosed? And you start to have like those heart to heart discussions with the people you spend the most of the time with, which 40 hours a week at your job. Right. So right. that's a great way to get involved. Also, if you're interested in a pro social event, if you host drug court in your community and you're looking for a pro-social event for individuals engaged in drug court, reach out to us. We would love to work with a community entity within your county and teach them how we did it. And then we can send them the supplies and they can have a pro-social event so we can help people phase up and out of drug court. We also host students. We've had a lot of uh, students engage with us from IU. We ship out a lot of kits. So kit building is like 101 in my eyes, like that is the best way to volunteer for us because we go through so many of them. But we also have engaged some students to where we've done our anti-stigma campaigns, which we do public service announcements for. So we've worked with people with lived experience and students to script public service announcements and record them, which is a really good way to learn more about a topic. So we worked with one student on HIV and what that means legally for individuals with HIV. So she was able to do a report on that as well as script and record our PSA. That's a way to get involved. Host a training. That's a great way. (laughs) See if anyone in your community organization is interested in hosting a large training. That's a good way to get awareness. Our HIV testing campaign needs pamphlets. Kathy, thank you for folding those pamphlets. So it's not just building kits. It's also the the educational materials that go with our supplies that we need to be printed and folded so that we can ship those out to individuals. Yeah. So I'm sure you'll put my email with this podcast. So if anyone is hearing this and they're interested in getting further engaged, let us know. Or if they're an organization that's been wanting to expand into harm reduction services or wants to collaborate on a project. We're always open to hearing new innovative ways to collaborate with state partners. No idea is too small or too big because sometimes it just takes one idea (laughs) to get the ball rolling. We love to collaborate. And you're continuing to grow. I mean, your growth rate is wild. Okay. Yes. So last year we served 77 of the 92 counties. We are a statewide organization, but It's year to year that we hope that eventually one year, maybe this year, that we will have served all 92. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're not an organization that overlays longitudinal data to say, okay, we have served all 92. We really want to be extremely transparent about this is what we did this year. Uh, That way folks can say, wait, my county was served for three out of the four years. They fell off. Can I get engaged? Because that does happen. So we're almost to 92. And we have some exciting projects that we're working on. We're working with the Division of Mental Health and Addictions and their Accelerator Initiative grant, which has just been fantastic. It is a capacity building and infrastructure development grant. So it's really helping us, one, develop a five-year strategic growth plan 
Okay. Um, as well as identify goals that can be accomplished within the two years of the grant. So that's fantastic. They're helping us develop projects that are inclusive of Black, Indigenous, people of color, and rural BIPOC populations, as well as helping us write grants and really just strengthen our infrastructure so that we can expand our reach. We have also written a innovative workforce development grant that we really hope that we get. It would be fantastic for us. It's a partnership with the Indiana Community Health Worker Association and In the Works Hub, which is a national harm reduction organization. And it is to develop harm reduction specialty training modules for currently certified community health workers across the state of Indiana. This is something that does not exist right now. So this would be a huge piece to current community health workers across the state in providing services, harm reduction services to people who use drugs in their communities and their clients that they currently have. So we're really excited about that and and are going to manifest that we're going to get the grant. So we're That's pretty right. confident. Yeah. Well, you have a lot of support coming your way. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. We've funded by Indiana Together We Will, which is the Office of Minority Health at the Indiana Department of Health for our acute curiosity HIV home testing campaign. This is this free is all HIV. under the SHIP umbrella. Correct. This is all SHIP okay. happens. Yes. And so... Our acute curiosity HIV home testing campaign is free or a quick HIV home test. These are FDA approved, zero barriers, so no questions asked. We are a part of the findhelp.org platform. So if an individual does have a reactive test and chooses to to disclose that to us, you don't even have to tell us your status or if you had a reactive or non-reactive test. In the event a participant does reach out and says they have a reactive test, we can link them to care, HIV care, in a confidential way. Findhelp.org is HIPAA compliant, so any practitioner listening to this who might want to refer someone to get an HIV test who doesn't have insurance or doesn't, you know, can't access one otherwise, in the event that individual does have a reactive test, we can refer in a HIPAA compliant way. And providers can also use Findhelp.org and and refer their patients to us. It's completely confidential and and they absolutely can do that too. We don't have as many as we hoped to right. have use findhelp.org, but we do have folks use it. And into, like people who use drugs in the healthcare system, there's a lack of trust there. So it might just be that we mm-hmm. just need to kind of, you know, bridge that gap a little bit mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. and we might get more engagement that way. All right. Well, we want to thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. This We want fantastic. you to come back. You know, today, I really, I think we met our goals. We really just wanted to expose what you are, what you do, how people can get involved, you know, look forward to the next visit. QSource would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to learn more, please visit us at qio.qsource.org. Visit our website for additional podcasts, videos, documents, and more. In addition to listening to QSource podcasts on our website, you can also find us on most media platforms, such as Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean, and others.